This episode of The Wiggle Room on Rob Has a Podcast is supported by BetterHelp Online Counseling. We are in extraordinary times, and if you're struggling with stress, anxiety, or depression, you are not alone. BetterHelp offers online licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and to help. BetterHelp counselors specialize in many areas, including relationship conflict, anxiety, depression, loss, trauma, and more. Securely connect with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. Everything you share is confidential. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs and get matched up with a counselor in under 48 hours. You could easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages. And if for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. You can get professional help when you want, wherever you are. And BetterHelp is an affordable option too. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month with discount code RHAP. It's a great service. I've gotten to try it out myself. It's very easy to connect and there's no better time when it's so difficult to get out of the house. BetterHelp is a solution for you. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash R-H-A-P. That's BetterH-E-L-P.com slash R-J-P. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Through time. Through time. Through time. Yes, that is right. We are back here for the Wiggle Room Through Time, episode number 10. Today, we are talking about the Heroes versus Villains, episode 10. And yes, it's another merge where poverty plays not one, but two immunity idols at Tribal Council. I'm Rob Sisternino. I'm here in the Wiggle Room Through Time, but we are without Josh Wiggler, who is uh, spending uh, some time away from a podcast microphone. A well-deserved break for Josh Wiggler, but I'm very excited about our panel here today. And we have with us first a woman who is uh, also herself spending a lot of time podcasting with Josh Wiggler these days over on the Mole Patrol. Uh, Please welcome a regular fill-in on the Wiggle Room, uh, Jessica Lease. Jessica, how are you? I'm I'm great, Rob. I feel like I feel like I'm the I'm always the understudy for the wiggle room. I, I would be offended if Josh disappeared and you didn't call me in to do it. It's kind of it's my regular gig now. Okay. All right. Well, happy to have you back here with us. Of course, uh, Jess is one of our co-hosts on the Tough as Nails podcast with myself, Mike Bloom, and Phil Kogan. And I just want to say that anybody that ever heard me on the wiggle room before and said that my reaction to things was subdued. Uh, I invite you to come check out the Tough as Nails podcast because the kind of the kind of totally losing your mind that you expect out of Josh Wiggler on the Wiggle Room. That's you. I do that there. Yeah, that's, that's me you. there. You laugh at everything Phil says. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When Phil has games for us and more on <laughs> Tough as Nails every week, but just I know one of the features that you have on the Mole Patrol podcast is that you like to quiz. Josh Wiggler on shows that may or may not have existed in the first part of this millennium. But if you end up maybe 10 years from now, continuing on with this tradition, maybe 
you'll come across a show that I have already podcast an episode about with this other part of our panel today. Uh, she joined us to talk about The Sims Sparked on TBS. <laughs> and yes, that's a real show about The Sims, which was running for four episodes on uh, TBS. She is part of the uh, RHAP class of 2020. And I'm very happy to welcome her to a Survivor podcast. Here is Serena Foster. Serena, how are you? I'm doing great. It's like I'm the lady in waiting to Josh Wiggler's poverty. <laughs> Yeah, the lady in waiting, a great nickname uh, given by poverty to Danielle DiLorenzo. Uh, Serena, that in your application to become a part of uh, what we're doing over here on the podcast, you talked about how you are a big fan of the Wiggle Room. What is it that appeals to you of the about the Wiggle Room? I mean, the Wiggle Room is just like joy, laughter, hilarity, random uh musical dance numbers i imagine are also happening in the background um it's just fun that's and that's why i like it yeah i didn't know there was so much dancing do you feel like that there is it's like a musical where then when the songs play on the podcast the people around the world are dancing in unison that's exactly what's happening in my in my head and also in my room while i'm listening yes. and are they doing the meke um i i imagine they're doing all types of mech type dances yes. yes okay all right well today we are going back to heroes versus villains jess is uh, heroes versus villains your favorite survivor season i would say it's definitely a top 10 for me i mean i'm a very much an og survivor fan most of my favorites are in the single digits uh but this was the one uh, correct me if i'm wrong rob this was kind of Right around the time RHAP was taking off. Oh, yeah. And- I mean, it was the the exact time that RHAP started. That's uh, That was uh, the reason why I started doing it. Yeah, and that's what makes this season kind of special to me because up until that point, I had never been involved in any sort of Survivor fandom. I never interacted with people about it. Like, I very rarely brought up that I watched the show with anybody. I kind of lurked on forums and stuff. And then I started listening to RHAP and actually started having discourse with people. And even if most of the time it was just like me listening to you talk about it with like whatever, you know, first boot of Survivor Vanuatu you could track down. It was, it was just like, it was finally someone was talking about it on a deeper level. And I think that kind of pushed me into the super fan realm. Although I've never missed an episode. This was like, oh, I'm actually going to, this is actually an acceptable thing to talk about with other humans. And Jess, I only tracked down the first boot of Survivor Vanuatu <laughs> one time. And uh, infamously, that yes. uh, Brooke, Brooke Garrity, that I did a podcast with him about how to use Twitter. Back way back when it might have been 2010 or 2011, it might have been 2011. And then after I spent an hour and a half with him on a podcast, he said, "Oh, could you do me a favor and, and not post this?" I said, well, "You wasted my time for 90 minutes. What am I just like tech support? And I don't even get a podcast out of this." Yeah, that was the that was the thing I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember like, you had a lot of really random people yeah. on in the early days of RHAP, and that was the most random. That was very and, random. Well, yeah, that, I, yeah, I never had him on RHAP. I just did a no. recorded. I, I mean, I, I, I talked to him. I recorded a podcast and he said, hey, could you do me a favor and not post it? Uh, you got big timed by the first boot of Survivor Vanuatu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. That's the, that's the worst. Uh, Serena, 
How about you? Uh, do you consider yourself a, a hero or a villain? I'm I'm a hero at heart. I have strong moral values, but I know deep down that a villain will you can trust a villain to lie, cheat, and steal, but a hero cannot be perfect at all times. I, I'm aware of those flaws in my own my own personality, yes. Now just Serena played in season two of Sequester, the uh one that when people used to be able to gather together, uh they were able to film sequester seasons uh not just with people at their houses. Were you a hero or a villain in that season, Serena? I was confused. Um I don't know if that counts as either of those. You're like a I'd Rupert. Say- Yes, exactly. Well, Rupert knew what he was talking about. They just didn't believe him on any fronts. At what point? Uh, and then, and then he kind of drops it. He kind of is like, yeah, ah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. If you don't have a, a strong group, then that's your own problem. Need a group. Okay. Do people try to play Sequester as a hero? I feel like that uh, mo- most people are are villains on Sequester. No, no, nobody, nobody's trying to play a villain. Everybody's trying to drama it yeah. up yeah i think that that would be a, a, a fun wrinkle for sequester if somebody came in and was like hey i'm here to play tonight with honor integrity loyalty yeah it'll trick people i mean that's the best, yeah. the best i'm gonna way prove play. the hero can win sequester not gonna exactly. drag anybody yeah Okay. I'm here to make friends. I'm here to make friends. Mm-hmm. I just want to have fun with everybody. I don't need the money. I don't need the money. I don't need the fame. Okay. Oh, so, so something to think about. Okay, but let's, I got the slap bracelet. Let's go ahead. We're going to go back in time to the year was 2010 when this episode aired of Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Uh, let's go ahead and travel back to the merge, episode 10, Survivor Heroes versus Villains, three, two, one, slap. Going Down in Flames is the name of this episode, uh, Jess. Flames, flames on the side of the <laughs> heroes' faces. There you go. Yes, indeed. April 22nd, 2010. 2010. Okay. What a, what a year it was. <laughs> yes. A lot of Kesha, I think, on the, on the jukebox that year. 10th grade was my best year. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it was in episode number nine. That we got to see a plan hatched uh, famously where JT looked to Russell and saw that he looked so sad that it was obviously the women were running things over on that villain's tribe and Russell needed uh, help. And so JT penned a letter to send to Russell and along with that letter came the hidden immunity idol. Uh, all those events took place in episode number nine, right before Courtney Yates was voted out of the side. So we get that in the previously on. Uh, just at the time, did you know that that was going to be a bad idea for JT? Um, I don't think, he, I think you would be very hard pressed to find anybody in the world that thought that was a good idea. But I also think we are ascribing too much. I, I, I think this is going to be a recurring thing. Like anytime I bring up Russell Hands, I, I think you're, you're ascribing too much master strategy to him in that moment. I think that's just how his face looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he's like trying to project this aura. He had no idea. Like nobody could have anticipated how stupid JT would have been in that moment. Yeah, Serena, were you a Russell fan? 
I, uh, you know, you need somebody to hate always. Um, so I definitely was like semi rooting in the back of my brain, but I really was disappointed in JT in that moment. Mm, yeah. Were you a JT 1.0 fan? Of course. I mean, how can you, how can you say no to that accent? <laughs> yeah. Jess, were you, were you a JT person way back when? I, I really, I, I don't want the man to get a very big head, but I was really a Well, Steven he's a regular person. listener, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I'm you, sure you, he you cares can, about Stephen Fishback he, doesn't even listen to podcasts <laughs> that he's not on. I, I, I do know this about him, but the word might get back to him. Like, somebody <laughs> is furiously adding him the second I said this. And I, I feel like maybe we shouldn't tell him these what things. What do they have? But, his landline phone number? <laughs> well, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't, are they, I guess are they writing the him a literal is, letter like he wrote to Russell? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Where'd they get a pen? Yeah, where'd they get a pen? You never see a pen on Survivor. Yeah. Okay. All right. So everybody is uh, waiting up for the merge. Uh, we see at the Heroes Camp that uh, company is going to be arriving soon. Uh, they have a chest over at the Heroes Camp of like a, but that's locked. They don't know how, what's what's how, how's it going to open. Uh, Serena, do you think there was a lot of mystery for the heroes about what's in the treasure chest? They they can't be that slow to think that they weren't going to easily find a key with some other people that are on another side of the island. Possibly they could have it. Who knows? I think I think it wasn't that uh, mis- mystical. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. do you feel like that they've gotten away from this where they have some sort of a very contrived and obvious mechanism for merging the tribes? I think so. I, at this point, I think everybody just kind of knows it's happening as it's happening. But the thing that I loved about this box is it has very explicit instructions on it. Do not open it until you have the key because I really feel like someone there would have just busted it open. They got a machete, oh, yeah. Yeah. not a heavy box. I was really hoping for that to happen. Yeah. So in Survivor All-Stars, uh, that in my short time there, one of the things that happened was that like like nine or ten days in, that they gave us like a, uh, a chest showed up that had uh, a lock on it. And I don't remember if it had three different locks. I don't remember, but it was like, okay... You, then they had to like read us like the riot act. We're like, okay, we're just going to go and drop it off uh, the side of a mountain and, and, and break it open. Uh, we were told like explicitly, no, 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 you, you're not allowed to open this by force. You have to find the key. It's a little bit like going to an, an escape room when they tell you, ah, 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 like everything should open naturally. Don't try to, <laughs> don't try to force it open. So everything I'm should be definitely the person. Yeah. Yeah definitely the person that gets kicked out of the escape room for smashing something that is not supposed to be smashed yeah just try it'll open it'll open on its own don't if it's if it's not turning don't force it okay so that's what they told us uh way way back when anyway so meanwhile at the villains camp they have jt's idol but jt's instructions were use it and vote out parvati that's what you need to do but parvati is still there how are they going to explain this so Serena, they start to work out this very, uh, you know, very plausible and believable story about how Russell went to vote out Parvati and all of the women went to vote out Russell. And then Parvati and Russell both stood up 
at the same exact moment and looked at each other that they were both going to play an idol. It was the ultimate Survivor Tribal Council meet cute. Exactly. And I mean, it sounded like JT didn't even need them to explain that to him. He <laughs> automatically thought that's exactly what happened as soon as he wa- saw Poverty walking down the beach. I mean, how, how could it be any other, anything else but that? Yeah. Just why would it matter if they played their idol at the same time? I mean, uh, like, wouldn't it be more plausible that uh, Russell stood up and played an idol and then Poverty was like, well... I might as well play my idol, too. Yes, but, Rob, the thing that makes a good lie into a great lie is having a really believable detail to it. And so the fact that they worked that all out together and, like, they had a cute story with it, if you have that one detail that people can focus in on, they won't really look for the holes in the story, which I think it was, I think it was a good thing that they kind of talked that out ahead of time and then brought this like super cutesy story to JT. He's just going to be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Serena, I'm joking around about the story, but then this did kind of happen uh, with uh, Jeremy Collins in uh, this past season. For the, actually, we could talk about Jeremy Collins getting uh, no votes with uh, Kelly Wentworth as well. But when Jeremy wanted to play his uh, safety without power advantage and then also Sarah Lucina wanted to use the vote steal where uh, Jeff was like, all right, are we ready to vote? And then both of them were like, ah, and like, oh, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. So I guess that uh, it does happen at times at tribal council. Once in a blue moon. Yes, apparently it does. Mm-hmm. So just I, I think that was it at this point also that they're talking about then uh, or, or when he's retelling this story later on that he says that, OK, then they had a revote. And him and Parvati couldn't vote. That uh, Not to melt your brain here uh, with talking this scenario through, but hypothetically, at this villain's tribal council, okay, that uh, there are five votes on Russell, one vote on Parvati, and both Russell and Parvati play their idols so the votes don't count. On the revote, would Russell and Parvati uh, uh, not be able to vote? Like, you couldn't vote for them, but everybody is tied with zero votes. They should be able to vote unless everybody. Yeah, they should be able to vote. See, I I would have poked a hole in Russell's story. Like, wait, hold on, Russell. Why weren't you able to vote? You you just played an idol. People can vote for you, but you should be able to vote. Yeah, on a regular revote, like if nobody had played any idols and the votes were tied, they wouldn't vote. But... There, all the votes. It was like nobody voted. It was like zero votes. It's like total mulligan. Yeah, I mean, Serena, I would have poked holes all over this story. I, I did feel like that there was not a lot of follow up questions uh, from anybody from the heroes tribe. Like, I feel like that there's some question later on in the episode where Sandra is going to start saying, "Like, no, 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 Russell's lying to you." But nobody really asks anybody any other questions. Ask Jerry some questions about what happened at the tribal council. Like, I feel like that it could have been easy to, you know, you don't need to be Detective Kowalski to get to the bottom of this. Listen, JT played himself. That's the problem. And he couldn't admit that he did that to himself. And so he just had to keep up his own lies Mm -hmm. to continue on with the story. And he believed it. There's no way it could be any. Oh, but yeah. this story. Well, look, the point at which you have, oh, 
here's a tribe called villains. Here's a guy we know nothing about. Why are you hitching your wagon to that guy's star? Like, sure, he might just be a guy that got put on the wrong tribe, but, you know, they booted Shane Powers to put that guy on. And he's got to be he's got to be worth something like he has to have earned his spot there somehow. I think I and I'm quoting Rupert here like he's on the villains tribe for a reason. And that's the point at which I think JT went horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. No, JT, uh, he believes everything that he doesn't. He doesn't want to hear anything else about this. He could have never been going home. You know, he could be the leader of the girls over there. Do I believe it? Not a chance in the world. Yeah, no way. Not a chance in the world. Not a chance in the world. But Serena, you feel like that uh, JT is really just protecting his own ego throughout this whole thing. And, and that's why he's so deluded about it, because then it would mean that he was so wrong. I think, yeah, he has to double down on it. I, it, it has to be the most obvious thing. What is it like Occam's razor? Mm-hmm. It has to be the simplest explanation. This isn't a game. This isn't Survivor. It's just... You know, life and villains are just like regular people not playing for a million dollars. Have either of you ever made a mistake and then tried to delude yourself into like bigger and uh, bigger uh, lies about it or not necessarily lies, but uh, just uh, just because then it would mean that you were so wrong about the first thing. Oh, yeah. That's every man I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say that I do this probably more with the sports teams that I root for where like it's bl- it's very clearly obvious my team has made some sort of a boneheaded transaction and, but I'll say no 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 they, they're not gonna look like the, they wouldn't trade away their best prospect for Robinson Cano and some guy who can't even <laughs> pitch in New York uh, that's not the kind of thing that, uh, you know, a smart guy like Brody Van Wagnon would do. Weren't wearing your Which, lucky underwear in that draft. Yeah. <laughs> I believe no rela- relation to Matt Van Wagnon, by the way. Yeah. That you know of. That I know of. It's, uh, I guess it's possible, but I don't think so. It's not a common name, Rob. It's not a common name. Uh, that, but I, I, I believe we, uh, uh, we inquired into this. I don't believe, uh, <laughs> that it was a, a cousin or anything like that. Anyway. So uh, we're going to uh, get ready for the merge. And uh, Parvati is a great episode for Parvati all all across the the board. Uh, Jess, uh, are you a big uh, Parvati stan? Um, I am a big Parvati stan in the prior Parvati season we discussed. Yes. I think she plays an amazing game there. And here I want to root for her. But it's really hard. And it was hard for me in 2010, having just like come off of watching Survivor Samoa and realizing that Russell Hans was ruining Survivor. It was really hard for me to watch her like continue to even if, even though I, she was in the driver's seat most of the time. It was hard for to watch her structure her game around someone who is so unpleasant to watch mm-hmm. at every turn. All right. Well, I wanted to know about poverty, but I'm uh, more curious about uh, your feelings about Russell, where you feel like that Russell, even coming off of Samoa, was ruining Survivor. And that's certainly the season that he has uh, the most appeal with the audience. I feel like that even here, he has not turned into the cartoonish, two-dimensional version of himself. Why, why did Russell uh, create uh, s- such disdain for you in Samoa? I mean, 
he was gross from the time he was like burning other people's socks and lying about being mm-hmm. in Hurricane Katrina. It was like he just came in and he's like, I watched this game show where people were lying. So I'm going to go on there and lie some more and be even more unpleasant and the, deceive people all the way to the end of the game. And he is he does have strategic acumen. He's a smart guy, but he just like he throws in this stuff that he doesn't need to do just for the sake of like he wanted to be the greatest villain of all time the second he shows up on the screen and you see him come in with that goal in mind it's like he doesn't care about survivor the show and he's not i'm not here like judging the purity of his motives i just think that he made the show worse by being on it from the second he was on screen and I'm sure somebody's going to come at me. Like I, people are already the Twitter's up and they're being like, yeah. how dare you? He's a strategic genius. And he's not really because he missed the whole part where you have to make people like you enough to want to give you money in the end. And yeah. that I don't, I, I will, I could gladly rant for half an hour about my disdain for Russell. But at the time that he came back in back to back seasons and then you kind of got to watch him do the exact same thing all over again. It was like too much Russell in a very short time. It was a lot of Russell in a short, in a short period of time. Uh, Well, I I want to uh, talk that through a little bit more, but Serena, I want you to weigh in on uh, your opinions on Russell Hans. I think it's fun to watch a player get played. I mean, at the tribal council, he's like, what was that about? She's like, secrets. <laughs> um, that was fun. But I mean, I, I'm sure there's a, a deeper, deeper hatred going on here toward him. Yeah. Cause just, just going back and like looking at where Survivor was at the particular point in time that Russell comes into play, that I do feel like that he ends up being, in a lot of ways, a, a shot in the arm that I feel like uh, Survivor really needs to heading into the 20s. And certainly at any point in uh, Survivor's history, like uh, people uh, did not have a 100% approval rating for Survivor. But I felt like that uh, coming out of the teens, like I feel like that he brought a freshness to the game in Samoa. And it did uh, everything that is fresh ultimately turns not fresh. But I thought that he does create a lot of excitement around the game uh, at that particular time. It's true. He definitely... He kind of brought a new energy to it. Yeah. It wasn't a great energy, but it was something different. And it certainly, I think these two seasons back to back are so packed full of interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And he drives the narrative both times that it really created a through line that made it easier for people to get back on board and follow. Like people that had fallen away from the show came back. And it's funny. I would compare him to the other biggest character in all of Survivor because I feel like this same thing sort of played itself out in season seven with somebody mm-hmm. we're going to be talking a lot oh, about Rupert. this episode. They brought in this guy that's just like larger than life and this sort of buffoon character that everybody gets behind. Like, Rob, you were there mm-hmm. at the All-Stars finale when it was like a professional wrestling audience and the cries of people chanting Rupert's name had to be subdued before they could resume the reunion show. Like, that's... That was kind of the same energy. They made a show just to give him a million dollars. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm saying. But it was, it's just kind of like every so often Survivor needs to 
structure itself mm-hmm. around one of these characters and it it just sort of revitalizes everything that yeah. you can have somebody to follow whether you love him or hate him and i think i'm i myself may have been energized by my hatred of russell hans like i'm beating off of it like he's the emperor <laughs> just I, I wonder if there's a comparison to make with uh, one of the other uh, scripted tv shows that you podcast about where that russell comes in and uh, I want to make the comparison with Negan in The Walking Dead, where he comes in, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hype, and it's like, oh, there's a new big bad on the show, and it's sort of like exciting to have him there. But then the Negan storyline goes <laughs> yep. on and on For four and four entire years, and yes. Some, and then people, some of our, fa- we lose some of our favorites at the hands of Negan, and then, but Negan is just going on, and to the point where people are like, all right, I can't watch, too much Negan, it's too much Negan. I- are you saying that someone's going to come on to the show that's worse than Negan? It's worse than Russell Hans, and Russell Hans is going to come back again and get rid of that person, and we're going to love him? Maybe. Maybe that's ultimately uh, what his destiny is. Because I, I don't know. I, I know you've fallen off of all of the Walking Dead stuff, but I don't know if you know that Josh Wiggler and I got so much mileage doing Russell Hans impressions that were also alpha impressions. Oh, okay. That was, that was Negan. So this is like another, maybe another Hans. Yeah. I, I think I, well, I think, I think we, we compared Russell to alpha quite a bit because they're both like kind of stocky and bald and mm. evil. Okay. As opposed <laughs> to Alf, who's uh stocky and hairy and good. Yes. yes. And they're the yin and yang, <laughs> the yin which and brings yang. us right yes. back to heroes versus villains. <laughs> Serena, do you feel like that uh, Russell will ever play again? Um, I don't know. I it's it's weird because I've seen him, you know, on Facebook groups trying to start some weird like Survivor org stuff. Yeah. I feel like I heard I a rumor like he was going to play Sequester the other night. How's that I, not happened yet? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know if. You know, the internet technology just I'm going to play over. Sequester. <laughs> I'm going to be the first hero of Sequester. You can <laughs> trust me. Are we allowed to talk about the fact that it is heavily rumored that Russell uh, gave away the entire outcomes of both Samoa and Heroes versus Villains to people on the Survivor Sucks message boards? And I, that is one reason that he is not coming back. Uh See, I, I don't know if I believe that that's the reason why uh, they wouldn't bring him back. I, I, I think that that uh, I, I don't want to like say definitively that that's exactly uh, like there there was a controversy about that. Again, he says that it it wasn't him, and you know it's like uh you know a, ancient history in terms of that. But I can't imagine that if they wanted him back, that that would be the thing that would prevent them from bringing him back. I, I think yeah. that they just feel like that. Uh, he's uh, too much of a loose cannon to bring him back. But I've actually come around on this. I, I think that one day, I think that he will play again. He can't oh, have that many think- years left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. I, I just because I think that it's going to be, you know, that if the show really wants that shot in the arm, I think there's very few bullets that they can uh, use to sort of like get that kind of pop that they've brought back so much of their, you know, people that were on the, the, the Sandra bench for winners at war. I feel like that there's very few other people that they could bring back and really like, uh, Oh my God. Like, uh, I heard that this person is back. I should watch this season. Well, do people still like, what do the casuals say, Rob? Like the people that the Joe Anglin stands, 
in the Facebook group. What are they saying about Russell? Are people still clamoring for him to come back? I think they'd back? be excited. I think that there would be a, like a, a percentage of people who don't watch the show that would tune in to like, look, the people that watch the show, I don't know how many people and maybe just you'd be in this category of like, I will not watch the show if they bring Russell back. But I think that there would be people that would come that would come back to the show to at least check it out if they brought Russell back. Well, Rob, there's a there's a lot of stuff that I said I would never watch the show if this if X happened, and all of those things have come to pass, and we are We're obviously in the darkest timeline for a variety of reasons, and yet I'm still here. I'm voluntarily watching Russell Hans in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Serena, let's get back to this merge. So JT sees sees poverty. He knows instantly what happened. He put he's able to piece the whole thing together. N- knives out too. JT is going to be the inspector who's going to be able to that he can see. He's playing five D chess. He knows exactly what happened. I feel so bad for him. Like I don't. He's just so fragile in that moment. I feel like he just he just really needs to believe. And if you would just listen to Sweaty Rupert, then mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gone the way they did. Mm-hmm. It's like he thought he had an infection or something. Like, you're sick. You need to relax. I know what I'm talking about. You're an idiot. And I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. And he was wrong. Big wrong. Yeah. He talked about it in his confessionals that, you know, there's a reason why I have to do all the thinking around here. That Rupert is just, you know, he's uh, not too good at uh, the strategery. I mean, I get why JT wanted to believe this in this moment. And he mentions it. He says, Russell is a country boy. I understand him. He, we come from the same background. We're the same kind of person. And he turns out to be wildly wrong about that. But I think he, this is where he wants it to be. He wants it to be someone who's like him, reaching out to him and finding like, and spotting him and saying, this is the kind of guy that I want to hang out with. Like, this is the kind, kind of guy of I want guy. to be friends with. Yeah. yeah. And I think JT doesn't want to believe about himself that it was more like a very crafty player was like, that's our mark. That's the stupidest person left in the game. Let's pull something on him. It's like he forgot what the whole season was about. (laughs) Heroes versus villains. Uh, What's up, dude? He's a villain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of what the whole season is about, that there is a lot of talk about that because they have to name the merge tribe. They have to come up with uh, what is the name of this group. And there's, a, it's ultimately going to be uh, the Yin Yang tribe. That's what they come up with. But they're kicking around a lot of names. Uh, one of the names I never heard before that I noticed that they they kick around uh, Hillens, the Hillens, <laughs> the showman's <laughs> name. Yes, which is the yeah, yeah. the portmanteau of heroes and villains. Uh, Jerry suggests at one point uh, all villains. That the, the name of the merch <laughs> should be all villains. And Colby is like, oh, come on, Jerry. Come on. Not, not, she just uh, did that to needle Colby. That's yeah, the you best think that's part. what it was? But oh, it, yeah. Yeah, Rupert has a confessional where Serena, that uh, R- R- Rupert is like uh, very upset about this. He's like, these villains, they just want to be villains. Whatever happened to being a good heroic person? That's the problem with having a big heart and wanting to like live by your moral standards. You really, truly believe <laughs> deep down in the colon of these other people that they're going to rise up. Yeah. They, they disappoint you every time. Yeah. Just this Heroes vs. Villains is kind of a sad story where it turns out that the people who are good are also dumb. 
well, this is, this is also, they're also sort of myopic with regard to like, they're just playing into the hands of production here who had this, and you see it play out every time they pull a gimmick on people when they're like, okay, now you're heroes versus healers versus hustlers, your brains versus beauty mm-hmm. versus brawn. This is the kind of the original recipe of that where Ooh. people are just buying into what other people are putting on them. And I think there were some kind of questionable choices in this where we're looking at it. We're like, Oh, Danielle DiLorenzo is a villain. Okay. Uh, Candace Cody. Okay. She's a hero. I don't remember what she did except mutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's where we were at the time. And they just kind of, Oh, well, I'm a hero. I need to play like a hero. And I firmly believe that anybody who played against type that season, and I think Sandra arguably does this a little bit, you play against your type and you can come out a little bit ahead of the people that are buying into their own label. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I think that that happens a lot with these uh, tribes of uh, they give you a tribe and it's like, well, I got to be this because that's that's what I am. And Rob, you know, um, you may remember this. This was many years ago. You and I did a podcast where I brought you a bunch of the best survivor twists from around the world. Yes. And there was a survivor season in another country. And do not quiz me on this because I do not remember the name of the country that put on this version of survivor. They divided people up into the smart tribe and the dumb tribe. Mm hmm. And they just told them, we, you know, we did our IQ test before the season and the smart tribe is everybody that scored high. The dumb tribe yes, is low. And that's yes. literally what they called them, smart tribe and dumb tribe. And the twist was they did it arbitrarily. They just told people they were the smart tribe and the wow. dumb tribe. And so you had people being like, I thought I was pretty smart. What am I doing on the dumb tribe? And and it really messed with people's heads. And this is the one twist above all other twists I want them to bring to the U.S. <laughs> well, Serena, should they do it randomly or should they just mislabel them? Uh, like <laughs> it's like the uh, tribe that's actually tell the, the smart tribe they're the dumb tribe. Tell the dumb tribe they're the smart tribe. I think it'd be more fun if they did it randomly because then there's actually dumb people going to be on the smart tribe. So that'd that'd be way more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actual, you can make somebody think that they're dumb if they've got a couple of prize idiots on their tribe and you're told you're the dumb (laughs) tribe. You're like, Oh, well, okay. I am JT and I, we we have a similar IQ according to this test we took. I must be dumber than I thought. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've said this before about uh, reality TV contestants, but I feel like that when you, you can have you can have uh, a person who is dumb, but sort of like no, you know, I, I really I, I don't know, I uh, I'm uneducated, I don't know a lot of things, and then you have a person who's smart, and then also knows they're smart. But the best reality TV contestants are often the person that is dumb, but is under the impression that yep. they are highly intelligent and smart. Yep. Yes, uh, exactly. That's, that's really the chef's kiss. Quality. Yes, of reality TV casting. Um, but JT is finally going to get to have a heart-to-heart with Russell, who's going to walk through the whole scenario about what happened, and he couldn't vote. And then it was ultimately that uh, Courtney went home on the revote. Russell is going to very quickly, Serena, swear on his children. Right, He comes right out uh, off the bat with that. Yes, he doesn't care if his children are alive or dead. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I- the truth. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I think that I, I agree. I, I wouldn't swear on my children if I had any, but um, I could pretend to have some and then I would swear on them. But. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, shades of Henry from, uh, or I'm sorry, Harry from uh, Australian Survivor. Uh, Jess, Rupert is the one that does have sort of like the astute observation of that, you know, I don't trust Russell because he came right out and said, I swear on my kids. Yeah, Russell is really interesting. Or Rupert is really interesting this episode. I feel like he's the one I'm watching the whole time just because he's so he's so much a he's so Rupert. He's like capital R Rupert this whole episode, but he's right about a lot of stuff for most of the episode and I do not know because he drops it so quickly. I have to wonder if he was just throwing out a lot of mess and they kind of edited him together to look like he really had a better grasp on the situation than he did. But he rightly notes, you know, he's on the villain's try for a reason. Why did he swear so quickly? Um, this doesn't match the story Sandra told me. And he just keeps saying things in. You watch this, like, I remember watching this episode and thinking, like, why aren't they listening to Mm -hmm. him? And then it's like, oh, he's Rupert. Of course they're not listening to him. Yeah. He's the guy that's going to ultimately have all of the information to be able to put this uh, puzzle together. Because uh, Sandra is going to come to Rupert. And they have the great relationship from Survivor Pearl Islands. I'm sure they were friendly over the years. And she comes to him and says, like, Rupert, listen, Russell is the kingpin. Parvati's his second in command. Okay. They're gonna. They're, they're lying to you that uh, he that he's working with poverty. You gotta believe me. And he's like, mm, well, maybe she's telling the truth. But ultimately, he does go back and tell the heroes this information. But uh, that's about where it runs out of gas. Like nobody really gets into like, wait, why is Sandra? Why would Sandra make this up? What does she have to gain? It's like nobody nobody else talked to Sandra at all. Mm-hmm. What's happening? It's just her and Rupert, and she's she's the one that can't be trusted. And Russell is uh, a okay because he swore on his children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody else is very invested in this plan. I mean, in fairness, we saw Sandra swear on her kids in Pearl Islands, and she had her fingers crossed behind her back. So it's not a card she can play anymore. Mm-hmm. I JT, think she would do it. JT could see behind Russell's back, though, so and he didn't see any fingers crossed. I didn't, I didn't see him. Scr- <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do uh, JT, but it's just going to be Colby. Uh, that basically, uh, yeah, I don't, have, I don't have a JT impression ready to go. Um, let's go from talking about the uh, the Rupert and Sandra uh, talking about a plan, and uh, let's talk about plantains because that uh, earlier in the season, Jess, we had a lot of talk about banana etiquette. Uh, actually, uh, Serena, do you want to discuss banana etiquette? Not particularly. Um, yeah. Only if it involves James Clement. Well, it does because he was the person that had, <laughs> and that's why I brought it up because I know that you are uh, a uh, a fan of his that. Banana etiquette. Uh, James was the person that was eating too many bananas. Well, he's got a big body to maintain. I don't know what poverty is particularly having to maintain with uh, her plantain mm-hmm. uh, plan, but yeah. I thought banana etiquette was like if you're going to get a banana, you have to make sure everybody else wants one too, or something 
it was something yeah, about think, getting bananas for other people. But I think it was because James was just helping himself to yeah. the bananas. And then they tried to say, well, James, well, no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, you're just not being polite because that you should go up to every, instead of just eating as many bananas as you want, you need to ask every single person, hey, uh, does anybody else here, would you, any of you like a banana? Also, I'm going up to get one. I think they were just trying to shame him into not eating as many bananas. That being said, they still seemed like way madder at the villain's tribe for eating bananas than they ever were at James. Yeah. There were a lot of bananas. Yeah. So, again, Jess, uh, I don't really know the difference between uh, bananas and plantains. <laughs> uh, they're different species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the plantain is usually like less ripe. It's green. It is a savory food. Yeah. But you have, you like, have to cook you have, them like, usually. Yeah, you have like the tostones and you have the maduros and the duros are the riper version of the plantain. Um, and yeah, you typically you need to fry them in a lot of oil to make them taste good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Parvati and the lady in waiting, Danielle Lorenzo, they are just uh, sitting there and helping themselves to some plantain. And they also had eggs, Serena. Where the eggs come from? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Were they in the treasure chest? Yeah, it was the merch see, feast. Food. See, here's the thing about this treasure chest. They had a long time without a key and then they're talking about their plan to like, oh, we played two idols, blah, blah, blah. There's a hunk of pig head yeah, was like in this pig chest head. this whole time. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, is it just sitting in there rotting? I don't understand. I think they must have given it to them that morning, but they did kind of yada yada the merge feast because we yeah, didn't, it like meat. didn't even happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you go into a deli and you like what are those fancy delis and they got all the. Yeah. They got all the aged hams hanging from the ceilings. Like maybe it was one of those, but didn't seem like that kind of. Yeah, ham. yeah, they didn't cook it. They just ate it straight off the face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the face is the best part. It, it was uh, a, a very truncated uh, merge feast. I guess that's maybe because it came out of a trunk because they, they opened it up and it was Not like, enough. oh look, everybody, black buffs and a pig's head. Uh, boy, it was like a scene in The Godfather. Very maybe Lord of the flies. Yeah, I was trying to exactly. send the message. Yeah, I was like, is this is this happening? Is this an actual merge or did I I miss something somewhere? Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess there must have been breakfast food in there. But that breakfast was not enough for Parvati, Danielle DiLorenzo. And they're, and they're going ahead and, and going to try to get eat some plantains. And even if Rupert was considering that maybe there is a chance to work with Sandra or go any sort of a different direction, this incenses him. That they are eating the plantains after they've already eaten eggs. And I I like when he inventories every fruit on the island and prioritizes which ones you should be eating mm-hmm. first. I, I, I really hope, um, you know, not to jump too far ahead. I really hope somebody's written a song about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yeah, we'll talk about this. this comes up at the tribal council, but... Uh, Serena, Rupert is so is so angry, and he's venting to the other heroes about uh, he's going to have some some name calling for Parvati and Danielle DiLorenzo. Greeny ass, eating ass, pain in the ass, There's coconuts everywhere. There's coconuts everywhere. I had to listen to this m- multiple times. Uh, that. <laughs> Greedy ass, eating ass, pain in the ass, trying. They're greedy ass, eating this is ass. It's a family show. This airs in the 8 o'clock hour. Greedy I don't want Rupert talking about eating ass. <laughs> oh, boy. Nobody stopped Rupert. Uh, Rupert phrasing. Yeah. Yes. 
greedy ass. Okay. They're so greedy. They just want to eat all, all of the plants. And then they're eating them. They're like, oh, these are terrible. And like throwing them on the ground. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> that, that might be the best part, actually. <laughs> they do not care for them. Okay. All right. So this is going to be a heroes meeting. Heroes meeting to talk about what's going on. Uh, Rupert is trying to pass along the word about uh, what what Sandra said. And Rupert thinks they, they maybe they can't trust Russell, Serena. Maybe they should uh, tell Russell a name, but don't count on uh, actually counting on him as a number. Yeah, I mean, sounds like a as simple as a plan as you can get. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're on your side. We're all on the same side, guys. We're all good. Anyway, Bye, bye, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get it from Amanda's perspective. Uh, she's very much just uh, saying like, look, uh, you know, let's just do this just to make Rupert happy. But I, I really don't think there's going to be a problem. Yeah, they, they don't care what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, just patronizing Rupert. Yeah, like Rupert. pay no attention to the wild eyed, bearded, ranting man in the corner. Sweating. Yeah. Awesome sweating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you wear a lot of tie dye, it really hurts your credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're also going to get a big part of this story between Parvati and Amanda. Now, Serena, last week we talked about this relationship uh, where it was a bit more functional in survivor micronesia but parvin and amanda were not exactly on the same page uh in that particular episode that we watched uh last week but now here they are that they've uh, had a this great friendship but it's sort of i i think at this point they're a little bit on the rocks that i'm not sure the exact circumstances why parvin and amanda uh don't get along at that particular point in time and i think for years i think we tried to figure out exactly what it was but i, I don't think that anybody has like a clean answer about why parvin and amanda uh don't get along so great when we get to heroes versus villains but Amanda is trying to go through the motions that she wants to work with Parvati. Yeah, she she does her uh, best, maybe, uh, to convince her that she's giving her all the truth. She wants to work together and that she's also really dumb and confused and like doesn't know what to do. Help me, Parvati. I want to I, I want to be there for you. But but I, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> She is confused. Uh, Just Parvati does do something interesting here. She tells Amanda that she has an idol. Now, interestingly, uh, she has this idol that is not the idol that is from JT. I believe this came from the Outback Steakhouse uh, challenge where I believe that they ended up having a napkin. And I'm pretty sure that her and Danielle dug this up uh, and didn't tell Russell about it. I think this is... Maybe the best move we see out of Parvati all season is getting this idol and then keeping it close to her Mm -hmm. and then choosing the right moments and the right people to give this information to, because I think everybody without her having this moment with Amanda, the entire heroes tribe just assumes that all the idols have been flushed out. Mm hmm. And they will probably just target Parvati in this moment. Mm-hmm. And she is able to do something better and to get them all scrambling and get them all kind of up in their heads about it. 
mm-hmm. by showing Amanda that she has this idol and then crucially not showing it to Russell. Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting about this, Serena, where she tells Amanda, who's on the other side, hey, I have an idol. But Russell, who's supposed to be her closest ally, she does not tell about this. And I think that it's interesting to look at these things because we know how this is all going to turn out. This is going to drive Russell insane. This is going to be the thing that drives actually a big wedge between uh, Parvati and Russell, where that he didn't, he gave her an idol and she already had one. And this is going to sort of be the inciting incident that's going to lead to Russell blindsiding uh, Parvati and Danielle and taking Danielle out of the game in a couple of votes. Yeah, I mean, you have one opportunity to be truthful uh, in this particular moment, and she just takes full advantage. And like I said, it was fun to see uh, Russell get played by that, but also there's no way you can go into this tribal council, play two idols that nobody except for you and your lady-in-waiting know about and expect to make it all the way to the end and have everybody vote for you. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah, but that's... It's really funny. We talk now in the modern era, we roll our eyes when people talk about building a resume, but this was Parvati's resume building mm-hmm. moment. It was like she had in her head her long game involved taking Russell to the end. But if they're in lockstep the whole time making these decisions together, she knows he's going to get credit for it. So she has to have a big, giant thing that she can do, a big move, if you will, that a big, giant that, uh, ham head. Yes, it, it is a giant ham head that she can just pull over his eyes. And at the end of the game, she can always point to that and say, I'm the one that turned the game, not Russell. Yeah. And he was at the point where he was going to turn the game and she did it for him. Uh, and I think it's I think it's brilliant. I I I can't say enough about this move here. Yeah. It's interesting, and I was going to save this for when we get to Tribal Council, but I think it's uh, a fun discussion topic to get into here. And I know that this has long been uh, celebrated. It changes the tide of the game. It's a 5-5 split between the heroes and the villains. And uh, with this vote, uh, the villains take a 5-4 advantage uh, here. But I'm just... uh, Thinking this through in terms of where that uh, if it would have gone differently, it's it's interesting because we think about like, well, the villains took the lead and it's five, four, but the villains then don't go ahead to Pagong the heroes the the rest of the way. Like it is not like a, a, a straight shot. So while Parvati uh, and the villains take the lead here after this vote, uh, Amanda and Candace go home, but then it's uh danielle ends up going home and uh russell has like some different some different options i i it's a flashy move i'm just uh like in terms of like looking at it from like a big picture view uh i just think it's interesting like uh the different ways it could have gone where poverty ends up in a situation where she doesn't win the game it's true i think the smartest thing that the heroes could have done in this moment is given the appearance of scrambling and then thrown all their votes on Parvati in that moment. Mm-hmm. She would yeah. have given up both of her idols and gone home. That was Amanda's moment. moment to yeah, Amanda could have done it. Mm-hmm. And she flopped it. And it's interesting. I feel like Amanda's entire objective this season is to kind of get out from under her last Tribal Council performance, mm-hmm. where I think she came away from both of her seasons, I think, feeling like she should have won. And being kind of 
salty about the fact that she didn't. And she's probably thinking about Micronesia this whole time. Like, I can't work with Parvati this time because then Parvati will just win again and I won't get the credit for it. Uh, she has to be thinking about how do I take down Parvati and have credit for that move in the end? And I don't think she worked hard enough at it. I think that was what she wanted to do, certainly. Mm -hmm. But she also got caught up in the hero thing, too. Yeah. And this is such a great moment. Uh, I, I don't mean to take anything away from it. I'm just trying to think about like what would have happened if Parvati doesn't play both idols at this tribal council. Like I think what's the most impressive for all of this for me is that Parvati didn't play an idol on herself, especially when Amanda is telling her she's going to be the person who is going to get the votes put on her at the tribal council. Like uh, I think if this was me, I think I definitely would be playing an idol on myself and wasting an idol. I mean, she had two idols. She didn't play either on herself and she gets told that the vote is, is going on her. But in this scenario, if, if she doesn't end up playing uh, either of the idols, uh, or just plays one on herself and then walks away with an idol. It's a five-five tie. Then, uh, in in terms of uh, who gets voted for, five votes JT, five votes Jerry. Um, if we go to rocks, there's a chance. Like, uh, is it like uh, it would be interesting. It's just uh, like I, I don't know how it would play out. Well, I mean, mathematically, that's Danielle had the immunity necklace. Yeah, the odds yeah. are in, are there would be four villa, four heroes drawing a rock. And three villains drawing yeah. a rock. And they, the thing that I'm curious about is um, the sliding door scenario I want to talk about is what happens if somebody from the Heroes tribe wins immunity? At that point, she can't, she doesn't have enough idols to cover her bases. Mm -hmm. Like she knows that they, she knows that the guys on the Heroes tribe trust Russell and don't want to take him out right away because they're keeping that option open. And she knows that. She is probably not the target. Now she's got three people to contend with. I don't think that works as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's she clearly doesn't have her finger on the pulse. She doesn't know who they're going to target. Mm -hmm. So if she had three, like it, she, it was kind of a lucky stroke that Danielle ends up being the one with immunity here. Yeah. Well, when we get to the immunity challenge, she does step down. I, I just wonder mm -hmm. how much that, uh, she had like the foresight to know like all, all of these things and Parvati, you know, uh, I don't really know in terms of like uh, what she's thinking ab about all this, because I feel like that even if she is thinking about those things, she's not the type of person or player that is going to, you know, uh, oh, okay, Rob, let me tell you exactly. I'll tell you, like, I'm going to like get out the, like, she's not Christian Hubicki when it comes to like <laughs> talking through her game after yeah. the fact. Uh, like, I think she's even like, uh, you know, if, if you had, sat down and had a conversation, she'd be like, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, like, you know, I don't know what I'm not sure exactly like what I was thinking uh, about that. But she just has this great read on Amanda where yeah. she's able to tell. I had uh, had a dinner with her uh, to be a name dropper uh, that week. Uh, and Serena, you know who else was there at that dinner? Who? James Clement. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous. Yes. And so we went to, we went to dinner and I had asked her, I was like, but Parvati, how did you know? How did you know to play the two idols? She's like, she's like, oh, I just knew Amanda wasn't going to vote for me, so it was, you know, she just like, and they weren't going to vote for Russell, so it was, it was easy. And Danielle was immune, so she was like, okay, well, this was, uh, I have two idols, it's two people that could be, so uh, that's that. Like it was like, I don't think that she seemed really to stress about what to do. 
Well, on the island, she said, I know Amanda's lying to me. I know she's lying to me. As soon as she said to play it on myself, I know that she's not telling the truth. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, she was there right then. Yeah. So this is going to be a second Parvati and Amanda conversation that's going to come up uh, after the immunity challenge. Uh, so Parvati and Amanda, they have the secret handshake. They're going to work. They're going to figure out a way to work together. Sure. Wink, wink. Okay. The worst um, handshake ever, yeah, by so the, the way. Yeah, Serena, what do you make of uh, Parvati and Danielle's secret handshake? I hated it. <laughs> yes. The uh, fake explosion. Yeah, it's very Michael Scott esque. Exactly. Yes. Very 2005. Yeah. Five years late. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was only 2010. I think it plays worse now. <laughs> fair. Okay. So. Uh, immunity challenge is going to be the old. Uh, I, I don't know even know what this is, they they call this. The one where you uh, hold on to the uh, like uh, telephone pole. I'm sure this has a name. Can't tell you what it is. I don't know it either. The elephants can't climb trees challenge. <laughs> yes. Uh, most recently, it was the merge challenge in uh, Survivor Winners at War. Had poverty been there, it would have been great to see if she would have uh, been able to do this. Uh, did she win this also in fans versus favorites, or uh, did did Ozzy end up winning it there? I don't think so. I think, I think uh, Probst is clear that nobody there had ever won it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, actually, and poverty doesn't win it here. She uh, Danielle DiLorenzo ends up winning it, but yeah. poverty could have won. It. She ends up climbing down. Um, but uh, it is yes, get a grip. They call this one. Yeah, she's hanging on that pole like she's a, f- a flag waving mm-hmm. in the wind, just having a great old time. It's very and she, impressive. It, it was. I was, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, is she actually standing on an invisible platform on the other foot? Yeah, it was uh, very good. Uh, Jess, Jeff and Colby famously had a wonderful relationship in Survivor, the Australian Outback. But here... Jeff seems very disappointed in Colby, uh, especially at the point that he steps down from the challenge where Jeff is like, oh, Donaldson, you're you're out already. Like, yeah, Jeff, uh, it's not my not my challenge. Uh, not, not, we did another challenge with a foothold and uh, it's not for me. Jeff's like, OK. The, the one sided Jeff Colby showman's that has played out over these many seasons and the fact that Jeff's like still in the back of his head that no survivor contestant is ever going to be as great as season two Colby Donaldson mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. It's one of the more interesting things to track. And Colby is just like the entire season of heroes versus villains. Colby is like, I don't even know why I'm here. And everybody's like, yeah, I don't know why you're here either. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, you're not that guy anymore. And it's, it's really like I get this sadistic glee from watching Jeff Probst be constantly disappointed that it's not season two Colby here. Mm-hmm. Yes, Serena, I feel like that Jeff is just like to Donaldson, like, I don't even know who you are anymore, man. <laughs> you continue you to disappoint me. You let you me changed. down. You changed. I have stronger feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I was <laughs> going to do things full tilt. So. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it, Colt Where Donaldson. Where are those arches I used to know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you changed, probes. <laughs> Get out of my sight, Donaldson. Okay. All right. After the challenge, uh, JT, his plan, he's going to tell Russell and write down Poverty's name, but they're actually going to write down either Sandra 
or poverty because this is a test for Russell, Jess. Uh, do you think that this part of the plan, that they have Russell, so hypothetically in this world where they have Russell, he's on board, and then they're going to give him the wrong name. If this plan worked, how do you think Russell would react to then that the fact that he was uh, tricked into writing down Poverty's name? I don't know that there's a universe in which Russell ever gets tricked by these people. Mm-hmm. I think there's I, I it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where he really is trying to flip to the heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him like he could certainly play emotionally and get really upset and want to get rid of Parvati in this moment for unrelated reasons. Mm-hmm. But it really seems like everybody's going to come away with this totally unsure of whether Russell really did pass the test or not. Serena, I just feel like that this is like a really bad, like even if this crazy plan was going to work, I think that the way that you would do it is that uh, you can't have Russell feeling like he's now six out of six with the heroes. Like you got to offer Russell like some sort of like, hey, you're in the top three with me and Amanda. We're going to vote out Rupert. Like to say that, oh, yeah, we actually were just all testing you to make sure that you were with us. And now don't worry. You're like uh, that. I, I don't think that from JT's perspective and the heroes perspective, like uh, I, I don't think they could expect to Russell to be uh, sticking with them for too much longer after this plan uh, doesn't go according to what they told him. Yeah, I think they need to build some like actual trust and not just with the entire group. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to know that there's like some kind of like cracks within some some system on that side. And if it, if they really went through with this plan, then he just you know sets that bridge on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like Jason socks uh, up in flames. That's where, like that's where the episode came later from. On. Yeah, going down. And that's what was going down in flames. Uh, yep. So uh, we see Parvati and Jerry. Uh, just Jerry is, I think, very impressed with Russell throughout this whole season. Well, I think that's kind of how the edit seems to go. It's funny to look back on this and try to watch for Jerry Mm -hmm. in these moments. Like, you know, because she doesn't really do much in some of these episodes, you kind of know she's not going to take it all home. But there was a lot of talk at the time, I think near the end, that if Jerry hadn't gone out when she did, she would have had a real shot to win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's there for every move. And she's it's past this point. She really never she's never on the wrong side of anything. Mm hmm. But they're impressed. The the villains among themselves are talking about like, boy, I think I think, yeah. we, got, I think we got this. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it or anything. It seems like they're really buying what Russell is selling. Yeah, it, it seems like it. Yeah. She's she's very much going along with it. Uh Serena, we're going to see Sandra. So she's sort of like uh, come around. There's no question uh, or there's no explanation of exactly like what clicked for Sandra. But she's come around to the fact she's like, you know what? I, I tried to tell these idiots what was going on. They didn't believe me. Uh, I, I'm going to have to work with Russell. And she has a very dramatic line reading here about this of uh, being resigned to her fate in the game. But right now I'm stuck with Russell. I'm stuck with Russell. Yeah. That's the most depressing line I've ever heard in the history of Survivor. I'm Big stuck sad. Big with Russell. Very stuck. She's stuck. What are you going to do? She's stuck. Okay. All right. 
So, uh, Parvati is going to get the JT idol from Russell. Uh, Par- J- that uh, Russell is like, all right, here, don't. Here's the, the here's the idol. You know how to use it, right? You know how to get when the when the, when before they they read the votes, you're gonna get up and you're gonna play it. Okay, you know, like you know what to do with this thing, right? Like, yeah. So it really does th- seem like he thought that they were gonna vote for Parvati, which would have you know burnt that bridge with JT if everything hadn't gone exactly opposite of what he thought. Yeah, so Serena, yeah, this is a good point to bring up because that uh, yeah, Russell is like also like feeling like, hey, I'm the star, I'm the getting the fishy this week because I tricked all these idiots. <laughs> They, I mean, he, and he's the one who's going to get, it's like a, a real, like a con job because that uh, Russell thinks that he's the one pulling off the ultimate con, but he's actually being con by Parvati in all of this because that he's like, I've got this guys, 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 look, I, I got all the information. They believe me. They're voting for Parvati tonight, but Parvati knows from her conversation with Amanda that that's actually not what's happening, but uh, you know, he thinks that he's going to basically save the day again, like he did back on the Tyson vote by giving another idol to poverty. Well, he's kind of being conned. He's being conned by two different groups here. He's not only being conned by poverty, he's being conned by the heroes. Yes. Well, and, he, that they think they're conning him, but he sees yeah. through their con. Right. But yeah. He sort of sees through Zircon because he does. It, he thinks they're going to vote for Parvati and he gives her the idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're really going to vote for somebody else. So they're also conning him. So how, you know, how the great, the alleged greatest survivor of all time is being conned by the heroes tribe? Yeah, double play, double, double play. Played. Yes, Jess, for Russell to give Parvati the idol before the tribal council, was he sort of thinking like that? Oh, then he's going to act after tribal council, like. I don't even know what happened. I don't know where she got another idol from because if he ends up being the person who like takes the idol to tribal council, uh, ironically uh, that, you know, Jerry's still going to get voted out because he's not going to be able to, uh, it's a part he's not gonna be able to give the second idol to Jerry, but uh, he has more control over it. Like he prevents poverty from doing what she wants with the idols. He does, but then he doesn't have numbers. Yes. Well, he doesn't know that it's not going to work uh, either way. It's because right. they don't listen to him. They get through this round. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So but, I, I wonder know, if, anything anything Russell does in this moment really doesn't further his own cause. Yeah, I just think that the interesting thing is I feel like that in modern day Survivor, the if this was going to happen, you know, instead of like giving a person an idol, like Russell gives his idol to Poverty before Tribal Council, Poverty is just handing out idols like Secret Santa at the uh, Tribal Council herself. That in modern day Survivor, Poverty would walk up and say, "All right, Jeff, I'm going to play this idol tonight for Sandra," uh, and then she would, you know, get up and play it again. I'm just trying to think if uh, if we could uh, pinpoint when exactly that if there's a shift that happens where. Then people start doing it a different way. Yeah, yeah for the, exactly for the what, listeners. I think that's definitely what people would do these days. Is 
um, walk up, say, oh, look at the crowd, see whose face is yeah. trembling, and I pick you, <laughs> and oops, mm-hmm. I have another one, um, a little bit more dramatically. Yeah, I wonder if that's with Tony and Kagiyan, where that's like the, like, because we talked about that episode where he gets up and he's like, that he's like reading Spencer's reaction and trying to find out, uh, you know, whatever he's doing when he gets up to, Jeff, could you validate this, please? Uh, so, I, I think that maybe Season 28 might be the shift, but uh, we'll find out if there's another time before that, uh, I'm sure, from the listeners. But anyway, so uh, we're going to see then Amanda and Parvati have one last conversation before this tribal council. And Amanda is very distraught, Jess. She doesn't know what to do. Yeah, that's Amanda's distraught face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has like three facial expressions. She's distraught. And she's worried about poverty because she wants to work with poverty, but uh, my stupid alliance wants to vote you out. So here's what you should do. You should probably play your idol tonight. Her head hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Yeah. So yeah. she's not a good liar. She's not. She's not great. Uh, this is an interesting move uh, for Amanda to attempt to pull off because I think that like, I feel like that Michelle uh, had, had this, uh, this past season where like Michelle Fitzgerald will vote for people. And then also, but like knowing that they're going to play their idol where she's like with the majority. Uh, I think this was going to happen with like where, where she gave Jeremy the 50, 50 idol, but then still was going to write his name down to be part of the majority where that if you can pull this off, this is a good move, but I think that Amanda does not come close to pulling this off with poverty. She doesn't explain anything that's going on. I mean, apparently there wasn't much going on, but in her head about, hey, I have to do this just in case, but I, I honestly think that you're you're going to be screwed tonight, so I, I think you should do this. Instead, she just like, just play it, just in case. Just in case. Yeah, like, head, what do you mean just hurts. in case? You have the votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to get screwed over. You might you might as well do it. And well. you know, there's so much history there. Parvati is able to uh, know all, all of Amanda's tells. Uh, it's a, a great read from Parvati. Uh, Parvati is uh, saying that she has to pick the right person. Just there's a moment where Parvati is talking about how she also that people kept saying that she was the most dangerous player in the game, and now she's starting to believe the hype. I I can't believe this is the moment where she starts to believe the hype. Yeah. It's already won a season. Yeah, I think (laughs) I think coming in as a previous winner, like this was kind of the thing I think people hoped would happen. The first time we had all stars and we brought back all of these people that were had won the game before. And I think it was very short sighted, not for anybody to not realize that people that won the game before are going to be the first people that are targeted and Mm -hmm. heroes versus villains is remarkable because you see several people in this cast that have already won a season still do some really amazing things and not just be cannon fodder or, or, you know, arguably the people that are the stars of their season as well, that maybe were the best player not to win. Don't just get booted the first at the first opportunity. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. (laughs) Okay. Let's get to tribal council because this was actually one of my favorite parts of the episode where, uh, and not for what was about to happen with the idols. We get into a, a real, yeah, a, a real like, house meeting Serena over 
what's it like around the camp? And Danielle DiLorenzo uh, really takes offense to Rupert, who's back at it with the bananas. He is not happy that these villains, they just are eating us out of house and home. There's literally so many bananas hanging Where do there. These people like, get off. And they in the video they're like have the tiniest like 2-inch plantain out of all of the bananas that they could be eating out of one of the the papayas, the mangoes, whatever. They take this tiniest little root and and it's not good and they don't like it and maybe that's what really really ticked them off that, that it wasn't tasty enough. So, okay, we know this is going to push Rupert's buttons. Jess, what's the one thing, though, if uh, if any of us or the listeners li- lived with you that 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 one of us could do that would get you to go into Rupert mode? Do I have a Rupert mode? Mm, I don't know. But what, I'm sure there must there must be some pet peeve around the house that somebody could do that would whether it's taking the last egg or. Uh, you know, lo- loading the dishwasher the wrong way. Is there is there something? I think messing with my electronics is a big one. Okay. Like this was my thing at parties around the time that Survivor Heroes or Villains was airing. If if I am the host of the party and I have a playlist on, do not come up <laughs> and like go through my music library and put something else on or worse yet, hook up your own iPod to the music system. Oh my God. And oh. yeah. I'm not friends with those people anymore. Mm-hmm. You are the DJ. Yeah, I'm the DJ. And there's also like just the sense of if I have my phone in the charger, don't unplug it and plug in your own phone. Like don't mess with my electronics. Like don't go on my computer and mess with my browser tabs. I've got them open in a certain order. I've got it the way I like it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. These are very yeah. uh, intrusive guests coming to your party, Jess. Yeah, well, I think in the latter case, I'm talking about my own husband, but um, <laughs> still, he's got a computer. Yeah. I've got a computer. Don't mess with mine. Yeah. And it goes double for the three-year-old, okay? <laughs> yeah, they touch everything. Yeah. Serena, yeah. do you have something that would make you go into the Rupert zone? Um, I guess when our, our recycling is overflowing and they just put a box that hasn't been broken down at all, mm-hmm. just just unfold the ends and then take it out. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah, that, that that could that could that could put me over the edge. Yeah, I wish I had something, but everything that uh, my wife does in at my house is perfect. <laughs> so also, so. I think it changes. You you can't really hold on to pet peeves in the same <laughs> way after you have small children. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, all right, so Danielle, she's going to push back uh, because she feels like th- there are so many plantains at, at this camp. This is this is just how many. Uh, plantains there are that i don't think we should be penalized for wanting to cook a plantain considering the plethora amount that we have yeah a plethora amount of plantains jess how could they even complain a plethora amount don't be don't penalize me for my plantain plethora it's it is a beautiful moment a second only to rupert's over enunciation of the word right there yeah so, so rupert you, have, you pulled that right yeah 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 rupert is like uh basically he's saying like uh i'm not even talking about our plethora amount of plantains it's it ain't even about plantains it is about a different fruit around here. It's the ripe 
bananas. We have ripe bananas all the time, but we let them ripen. Weird flex, but okay. Uh, we we have ripe bananas all the time. Like okay, what's the problem? Yeah, they have they them all have the time to ripen. Yeah, <laughs> gotta let them. They're not letting them ripen. Now, Jess, I'm no uh, fruit expert. People know that I barely even like talking about food. But correct, does does a plantain have a metamorphosis into a banana at some point? I think they have bananas and they have plantains. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because if you go to any grocery store in Washington Heights, the plantain is a different creature from the banana. Yeah. I, they are biologically different things. And I believe there are two different things they are talking about here because it seems to me that they have a lot of fruit there because so Rupert fruit. does list off a lot of fruit. Yeah. Zarina, are these greedy ass, eaten ass women eating <laughs> the green bananas? Was that part out in the episode? I saw them eating green uh, banana shaped fruit. Whether or not it was a plantain or a banana, uh, it's the right bananas. We have ripe bananas <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I can't help not, you with that difference. Yeah, it was either way. It was, it was some kind of yeah banana shaped object. We don't really know. I'd have to. I didn't realize we were going to be quizzed on this, or I would have had to back it up mm-hmm. and watch it a few times. But you know, as it was, I was too busy backing it up and watching Rupert say "ripe bananas" over and over. I, I just want to work that phrase. A couple things from this episode. I want to work. Uh, we have a plethora amount of mm-hmm. feedback for this podcast uh, that I want to like work that into more conversation. A plethora amount, and then just exclaim, "We have ripe banana all the time." We let we wait for it to ripen. <laughs> I, you know, in, in this day and age, you know, if if we have pounded Lord, I mean Jeff, into the ground, this is much more iconic, and mm-hmm. I feel like we can make this happen a lot more. Okay, um, at this tribal council, also Parvati is talking about how that you know not a lot of people were talking to me today. Uh, Parvati feels like it's going to be her. Not a lot of people were talking to her. Uh, Colby has some alternative facts for Parvati about maybe. <laughs> Uh, that don't don't think that it's going to be you tonight because nobody is talking to you. Maybe there's a different explanation for why nobody's talking to you. Or maybe we haven't approached poverty yet because we know she's going to be around for a few more days and we'll have that opportunity. So there's another angle. Yeah. Ooh, fourth dimensional chess. What do you think about that, Jack? Because maybe the whole reason why we're not talking to her is because we're going to full tilt talk to her tomorrow when she's still here. Maybe we're not gonna vote her out. Yeah, if you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is like this is like watching them switch the wine goblets in the Princess Bride. <laughs> uh, but I love the the way he punctuates it at the end. Or maybe we haven't approached poverty yet because we know she's going to be around for a few more days, and we'll have that opportunity. So there's another angle. There's another. You feel angle. like he's just tapping his brain while he says that. Yeah, usually, uh, Serena, if somebody ends something with like, so there's another angle, uh, do you think that that's usually when they're saying like what's actually going on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if that would be my go to if mm-hmm. I'm trying to be sneaky, sneaky, but uh, if 
apparently he wasn't either. Yeah. <laughs> feels very much like people are throwing unripe bananas at the wall at that point. See if they'll stick. See if they'll stick. Okay. They won't because then you need to wait for them to ripen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to ripen. Yeah, I, I don't do a Rupert voice very well. It always just comes out sounding like Cookie Monster. So I just, I, I let Rob do the impressions. They're very good. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Um, we're going to vote. We're going to vote. Uh, I liked uh, Russell's vote for JT at this tribal council also. Here's R- Russell. He seemed like a real cool guy, but it was a real dumb move by giving me your idol. It's just uh, <laughs> Russell. He's seems, not wrong. <laughs> like he's like uh, twelve years old. Like uh, JT, you seem like a real cool guy. I'd vote for you. Uh, uh, you think that JT seems like a real cool guy, Serena? Um, cool in the sense that he doesn't need to have a intellectual conversation with you to befriend him. Mm. Yes, very cool. Okay. <laughs> Like a- he is innately likable. This is the same guy that you watched people in Token Gene say, I'm going to torpedo my own game so he can have a million dollars. Yeah. Do you think that Steven said that at some point in confessional? Like, uh, JT, just he just seems like a real cool guy. I think Steven is self-aware enough to know that he's not a good arbiter of what's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we are going to... Uh, it's time to count the votes. All right. So... Parvati is going to take out an idol and she is going to give it to Sandra. And the heroes are like, okay, we got this. Uh, basically, because Russell, we told him to vote for Parvati. Uh, we got this. And then Russell, I think he's a little kind of nervous because he's like, well, like, uh, play the idol for yourself, Parvati. That's why I gave it to you. And then he uh, watches then as she gives an idol to Jerry. <gasps> two idols, two idols. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. and then JT knows uh, that, that that's that he goofed he goofed uh, we get to the votes and ultimately uh, we're going to see JT voted out now Russell here uh, like we have a lot of uh, wild reactions uh, just Russell winks at Jerry for some reason which this had nothing to do with him. I don't know why he's taking any credit for what just happened. Well, he's trying to save face, obviously. Like, he's just looking at all these jury votes he's about to lose. Mm-hmm. And at the final 10. Yeah. And Rupert is also saying, I knew we shouldn't have trusted Russell. <laughs> like, this had nothing to and, do with Russell either. Yeah. And and yet, like, I, I think that it helps that it didn't have... It helps Russell's case that... It didn't really have anything to do with him because the, he gets to hang on to that trust for another couple of episodes, even after mm-hmm. they, you know, after they keep picking people off. Yeah, but all in all, uh, an amazing night for Parvati, who I'm I'm sure must have won the fishy this night, Serena. I mean, how could she not? It was it was fun to watch and two idols. Nobody mm. on the villains goes home. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, does this predate the people blog? No, I think it, it was already was going on. I think it was going on by Samoa. Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't actually remember. Just do you like the immunity idols or the hidden immunity idols in this season? The little, the little green men. I think they're adorable. I think they're also, 
They're very fancy. You wouldn't be able to fake that. And the problem is they all look the same. I think you take the fake immunity idol out of the equation that way. And of course, you know, it's several seasons later. It's like many, many seasons later, in fact, where they get the idea that maybe we'll just make them all look janky AF mm-hmm. and we'll make them all look different so that people can fake it. Mm-hmm. And but at this point, it's like it's a very far cry from an effing stick. Yes, far cry from an effing stick. Uh, You're not going to mine some jade and then carve an <laughs> idol. Serena, though, the problem with these uh, little green men that Parvati uses as an idol is that if she wouldn't use them, they would ripen into big yellow idols. <laughs> and then they'd be glowing from the dirt when you hit them. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she had to use it right then and there. Both mm-hmm. of them. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jess, would you say that Poverty played a plethora amount of idols uh, at this tribal council? Is two a plethora amount? I mean, it's it's like 100% more than involved in typical idol plays, but I, I feel like a plethora amount is like 50. Mm, okay. Uh, well, we have a, a plethora amount of great moments from uh, heroes versus villains. Uh, Serena, anything else you want to say from this episode? Uh, I mean, this is definitely iconic moment. Uh, Parvati really, you know, double double play here, hitting the baseball, however you want to <laughs> use my terminology. But yeah. definitely fun to watch people get played. Jess, is this Parvati's best survivor moment? I, I think it is. I think you can look at a solid game the whole rest of the time mm-hmm. that you see Parvati playing, but this is the one like big flashy move. And you, you see her, she is kind of the ringleader of a lot of good strategic minds in Micronesia, to be sure. And she does a lot of great things that I think you could certainly spin it that other people were just as involved in. But this one is all from the brain of Parvati. Yeah. Serena, do you co-sign? Is this Parvati's uh, finest hour? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think uh, I definitely, definitely co-sign the the rental agreement there. Yes. It's just such a solo move uh, for her where that she ends up, she gets the idol from Russell, but this is 100% like uh, her own agency in order to make this move. I mean, the Eric Reichenbach uh, necklace thing is another high high, but it's such a part of a uh, team. There's a plethora amount of people that are involved uh, with that. And it's hard to really assign credit to any one person and so i would have to say i I think that this probably is uh you know if if not the greatest survivor move certainly poverty's uh finest moment on the show i really need dalton ross to write a plethora amount of words about this one before i can really this would be another good one uh i think it would although that the people that he has the hardest time uh tracking down are uh, amanda kimmel that's a uh, one that uh, that he has to. Uh, she comes up actually. She she's basically like, uh, is it the uh, John Ratzenberger to Pixar? Is Amanda Kimmel <laughs> to uh, the oral history? I, I think so. Like she gets one one good line, but she has to be in all of them. She has to be in all. I don't know. I'm sure if she weighed in on uh, Dan Geesling's funeral, but uh, she might have. Uh, <laughs> he probably had trouble tracking her down. Yeah, people are hard to track down in Montana. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you ever run into her, Jess? Um, it's a big state. I I have not run into her as of yet. I, I was in her hometown last weekend. Yes. But. When, when you tell people that you talk about Survivor, they say, oh, do you know Amanda Kimmel? 
Um, more like people in survivor circles. When I bring up that I come from Montana, they ask me if I know Amanda yes. Kimmel. Okay. Well, can I tell you something uh, that's a fun fact? Yes, please. So this episode posted on Monday, August 3rd. Serena, can you guess what today is? Um, Monday, August 3rd. <laughs> Amanda Kimmel's birthday. Oh, yes, and I only know this for some reason. This is in my permanently on my Google Calendar. I don't know why. I don't have all survivors, survivor birthdays on here, but for some reason, I like at one point in the last ten years that somehow I got like uh, synced up to a, a a calendar of survivor birthdays, and for whatever reason, Amanda Kimmel's birthday is marked is is uh, basically. Just uh, a uh, just burned into my Google Calendar in the same way that Akiva's birthday got uh, burned into Nicole's calendar. So happy birthday HBD. to Amanda yeah. Kimmel on her uh, on her big uh, birthday, August third, uh, nineteen eighty four. There you go, Amanda Kimmel. All right, are you both prepared for the wand off? I am. Okay. Always. All right. Let's see if uh, the wand off, if we have some uh, ripe wand offs for you here today. Stop right there. You want to know right now. Before you go any further, this is Wanda. And you're in my arena if you need to. You can straight up leave here. It would make me so happy for the rest of my life. If you'd shut the shirt up and just eat your damn rice. It's the wand off. It's the wand off. Baby, that's right. The wand off. Serena, have you ever considered uh, sending in a wand off? I have considered. Uh, I'm not much of a lyricist, mm-hmm. not much of a, a rhythmic uh, wordplay queen. So I, I think it's outside of my uh, my repertoire. Okay. If you were going to make a wand off, uh, what would be the uh, the style of music that you would choose? Beyonce. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we get a little, lot of Beyonce. That's perfect for the wand off. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk about last week in the wand off. Uh, we had a runaway win last week. Uh, in third place, uh, it was Greg with 14.7% of the vote. Uh, with my stick has a face. In second place, it was Michael from Rochester with 18.9% of the vote with the Eliza Orleans Tango. And then we had a runaway here with our winner, James from Canada. Not James Clement. James from (laughs) Canada. 49.5% 49.5% of the vote, almost half of the voting listeners. Here is James from Canada with the stick. <laughs> the stick. Ozzy found it a stick. Then Ozzy carved it a stick. 
Then all he hit the stick. Yes, okay. All right. Brilliant. There you go. All right. So congratulations to James from Canada, the winner of a Wombat's hat, slap bracelet, uh, a plethora amount of prizes for <laughs> James from Canada. The okay. same number of prizes as Parvati had idols. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in the host of the Wandoff. He is the late, great Casey Kasem. Rob and Josh, it's a pleasure to be back here with you for another week of the one. Casey, actually, uh, Josh Wiggler is uh, is not here this week. Uh, we're here with uh, Jess and Serena. So you're telling me that I've got to be here and Josh gets out of the wand off and I'm still here in this house with no air conditioning. Yeah. All right. KS Casey. Uh, for a couple a couple of minutes, can you give us a, a little bit of your? This should not take a plethora amount of time to get through the wand off. All right. Well, we've got a top four here for you in the wand off, and we'll kick things off this week with a song from Michael from Rochester about the fishy award winning star of the episode. and watch green bananas turn yellow without my debaucherous little villain. You can't stop my female friends who will eat you up again. You can try to end my game, but I'm the best that's ever been. And you can try to stop my idol plays, but I'll be one step ahead. Cause this game keeps moving up and down, and my thoughts keep up to the speed of sound. If I keep up with this streak, then I'll win the game. Cause you can't stop the beat Ever since she first joined the tribe You would think she would be voted out from the campfire But you can never take her down If she could make JT look lame Cause when he tried to vote me out When he was on the hero's tribe He talked about me in a way that I would never describe So if you say that I'm a threat Then I would have to think the same You can't stop Harmony Oh, Rupert you want to get in on this? Okay, then. Knock yourself out. <laughs> oh, 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 you can't stop my screen. This is, this is the way I am. You can swear that you'll be with me, but I can't trust a villain. This is a minor setback, but the good shall win it all. Cause this game keeps moving up and down, and I have to take your survivor ground. Cause the villains took my bananas away. We have to stop the villain drunk till he has some evil guys, but the soon to be in for a sweet surprise. I'm going to take back my game today. I will stop poverty. <laughs> that was from the Broadway hit musical Johnny Hairspray. <laughs> I I I feel really bad for 
this poor singer because he's definitely not going to be able to talk for like the next <laughs> few days after we recorded that. Rupert voice is really hard on your vocal cords. Yeah. I think the key to Rupert voice is just uh, keep the volume low. If you're trying to sing and like belt out a wand off, that, that's going to be tricky. Tough stuff. Beautiful yeah. though. Tough stuff. Poetry. All right. Jess and Serena, the number two song in Wombats Nation for you to vote for, for the Wandoff winning song of the week at robisawebsite.com slash vote. Wanda comes to us from a new duo to the Wandoff. It's ADN and Liz talking about the keys to success at the Survivor Merge. <laughs> It's the Ten Merge Commandments. It's the Ten Merge Commandments. There's three male. You merge the two tribes, heroes, and villains, two different ways of life. I trust you, your peers, that's the game. Ask about their lives, what's their claim to fame? Remember manners and personal space. Banana etiquette. It must be handled with a lot of grace. It's common to forget these important rules. Some new places at the old school. But surely you must ask around who wants a banana before you sit down. Anyone in sight, make sure to treat them with civility. You forget your etiquette, you'll have no credibility. No one cares if you cook the green plantains, but those yellow ones you must abstain. If you want a plantain, that's fine. It's the ripe bananas that have Rupert losing his mind. Let them type it, we leave them on the vine. Off the tribal council to work this out. Russell, Jeff Probst, sir. Fighting over bananas seems slightly immature. Sure, it's still two different tribes, let's be assured. So it's 5v5 <laughs> unless we have a deter? Why, yes. Now watch this next move. I'm the GOAT GOAT. All right. It's time to vote. <laughs> Harvardy has a trick up her sleeve. One idol for Sandra, one for Jerry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Number ten. JT, Travis Bogle. It's the ripe bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was from the hit Broadway show, Laura Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I gotta say, there's been a plethora amount of Hamilton references in A Wiggle Through Time. Yes. It's almost like we've time traveled back to 1776. The Hamilton summer in uh, the Wiggle Room and uh, a plethora amount the summer of, of ham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Open up your giant treasure chest and pull out a pig's head uh, here Just in the summer of ham. ham. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a plethora amount of uh, impressions so far in the Wandoff. Our number three song comes to us from who? Here's a Horton talking about a particular player who picked up a plethora amount of votes in this episode. Dear JT Thomas, I got your letter. Your plan worked just fine. But Shallow played her idol when I played mine. 
Now what I'm gonna tell you is a whopper of a lie But I know you'll buy it, you're a naive guy They called me a villain, yet you trusted me Even sent me an idol of immunity, stupidity When I vote you out, I'm gonna write your name in a weird way J. Dutty So what musical is this one from, Rob? (laughs) That was performed by Aaron Reisberger Burr Okay, so funny story about who hears a Horton. Uh, this individual slash ensemble sent in some music to Josh to be played on our excellent recaps of the mole. And Josh was absolutely convinced that this was just a pseudonym for DJ LaBelle Klein. And the record had to be set straight by both parties that this is not, in fact, DJ LaBelle Klein, but another very talented newcomer to the Wandoff slash Moloff stage. I'll be honest. I thought it was DJ LaBelle Klein, too, at first. And then I looked at my, uh, uh, as I was listening to it, I wasn't really paying attention to uh, who wrote it. But uh, if you say it's not DJ LaBelle Klein, uh, who famously has uh, unmasked himself, then uh, I don't think he created a new alter ego. I don't know he did. And no conspiracy. I, it's true that I have never seen them in the same place at the same time, but <laughs> they both assure me they are not the same person. Okay. All right. And then our fourth and final wand off for this round of the Wiggle Through Time comes to us about a prized possession of the Heroes Tribe that they don't want to share with the villains. Here's Davis, comma, Will. like Santa from Indiana a bearded libertarian (laughs) tie-dye pirate guy that's right it's Rupert Boneham (laughs) and he's not the brightest Thought there's a woman's alliance Still he's a favorite of the fans But he's got muscles Doesn't trust Russell <laughs> So now the heroes craft a plan When he hasn't had much food That puts him in a certain mood He loves fruit So he's complaining When he gets cranky He's displeased So don't eat all the ripe bananas There's a thousand of the plants He's annoyed by all the villains There's no bananas left since they came Rupert 
never wants to say banana. <laughs> Just like his wife and her mayonnaise. Did you save your mayonnaise? So JT's gone instead of Jerry. That was a beautiful ballad from Elton John Cody. <laughs> I'm choosing to believe that that uh, did you save your mayonnaise shout out was just for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great crossover from Davis comma Will going back to Rupert on the amazing race. Uh, pie, really, pie. pie pie. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not a plantain pie. Rupert would not, would not like it. Okay. All right. Can I finish the wand off before you cut me? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Casey. Okay. That you could go ahead and vote at robasawebsite.com slash vote Wanda. And until next time, are you two going to be the regular fill-ins on the wiggle room? No, it's just for one week, Casey. All right. Well, then I'll see you around. Keep your feet on the ground and keep your hands off the table. All right. Casey Kasem, everybody. Uh, boy, Casey, yeah. get with the program. Get on the get on the Slack channel for the Wiggle Room so you can uh, yeah. keep in the loop about what's going on. My feelings are hurt. I feel like Casey was really disappointed to see us there. No, you know, Casey and I used us. to have a yeah, we used to have yeah. a good relationship. I don't know what happened. I think he's just I just showed up and he didn't <laughs> like me. Gosh, I, it, it, it's like we're the the Parvati and Amanda of the Wanda. Yeah, I, I think in fairness, I think he's just more that he walked in and didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that I hadn't. It, it's my fault that I didn't let him know that Josh wasn't going to be here. He walked in and was expecting to see uh, Josh, and and then uh, th- threw him off. You just got to work on that. your communication, Rob. I'm going to work on that. That's my bad. I have to own that. Okay, get out the that. Ouija board ahead of the wand off mm-hmm. and yeah. let him know. If the Ouija slack. Yeah. Yes. The communication is bad. That's on That's on me with Casey. Okay, so, so I apologize about that. Of course, uh, Randy Newpol does such a great job. Top five human. He goes through and listens to all of the wand offs and uh, tells us uh, what everybody is recording, posted to SoundCloud. Makes the wand off possible. Uh, big shout out to the noop, Randy Noople. Okay. All right. Um, Serena, this was so much fun to get to uh, podcast again. Talk about heroes versus villains. Uh, have you been following more episodes of The Sims? Or um, just playing The Sims? Yeah, I've been playing. It, it inspired me to, you know, build a tiny home, get a husband. I'm obviously not doing that right now in quarantine. Mm-hmm. So. At least virtually, I can do it. Have you ever created any survivors in The Sims? I haven't. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, a fun, a fun little live stream to see who wins what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could uh, create uh, all the players that we saw in this episode. Yeah, I would love to play Poverty, and also I would also create the Ham. Just, <laughs> just to... the Ham is a playable character in The Sims, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Serena, where could people follow you after this episode? Uh, you can find me at Serena Foster on Twitter. Also at Let's Go Serena on Instagram. Um, those are my mains. Okay. Good Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. All right. Of course, Jess, we, ta- we talked about the mole. 
We talked about the Mole Patrol. Yeah. Uh, Which, of course, there's no Josh Wiggler this week, so there's no Mole Patrol. Yes. Can't do it without him. Are you? Oh, oh you're holding on. I guess it's it's the sh- the show can wait for him to get back. Yeah, we're not we're not like adhering to a schedule or anything because it you're not going to have a, a fill in for Josh on the show where Josh watches the mall. Well, you know, Andy Coops is not returning our phone calls yet, so mm-hmm. we, we're still working on that. Okay. All right. So that will resume uh, once Josh is back in action. Of course, uh, yep. we have no uh, no breaks on tough as nails. The hit CBS show about good, hardworking, nice people. <laughs> they don't it, have a plethora amount of money, so they work <laughs> hard. I, I, I have to say, um, I'm having a plethora amount of fun yeah. um, with the Toughest Nails podcast. It may be the most fun I'm having on any podcast. It, it's really a toss up between that and Mole Patrol, mm-hmm. but since. Well, the summer of ham. happening this week. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. In more ways than one. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jess, uh, anything else you're working on? Yeah, it's funny. I thought I was getting a week off from Mole Patrol, so it was going to be an easy week, but I'm doing this. And then uh, tomorrow I'm going to be recording uh, on a out of Rob has a podcast network podcast uh, called The Blotter Presents, which is um, hosted by Sarah D. Bunting. Uh, she analyzes various true crime properties and we're going to be talking about a documentary on Amazon Prime called The Last Narc and we're going to be talking a little bit of Mexican drug cartels and Whoa. storytelling around oh it. It's it's a very different thing from what I do here and we're going to have a really good time. I've been on this show a couple of times. We always have fun. So there's that and then I got an Wait, article. Can we stop down on the Mexican yeah. drug cartel and that uh, you are a knowledgeable uh, true crime uh, aficionado? I'm a casual fan of true crime. Yes. I think everybody who listens to podcasts is anymore. But That's true. Yeah. I've well, been... I've been a Sarah Bunting fan since like since the mole was on the air, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of invented this TV recapping genre um, with her television without pity people. And so the fact that I sometimes get to podcast with her, it's almost as good as like Phil Kogan showing up on your podcast. Can you give any true crime podcast recommendations? Um, I really love Case File. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the gold standard for me. Um, that would be the one I'd tell people to start with, although it really depends on your tolerance for that kind of thing. Um, they really, he does not shy away from really kind of graphic murdery things. Yeah. So if murder is not your thing, there are other places you can go. Um, there are, I really enjoyed, uh, and now everybody talks about Tiger King, but there was a podcast called Over My Dead Body that did the Joe Exotic story before Tiger King did it? Which and part of it? I really, the, the Carol Baskin husband, or they talked about all of it. It was okay. it was a comprehensive. It was a lot more Carol Baskin positive than mm-hmm. Tiger King. Like you come away from it really being on Team Baskin, and Whoa. I understand Whoa. that watching Tiger King you would not. Yes. So that that would be my recommendation. Uh, Over my dead body, season two was Joe Exotic before Tiger King dropped. Um, so yeah, I would. That's what I would recommend. Serena, and, did you say that you uh, were a true crime uh, person also? Definitely. Uh, I mean, my favorites are my favorite murder. That's definitely one. If, if you're into a lot of uh, 
goofy chat for you know a little bit before you get into the true crime i also really like criminal serial is obviously one of the best um those are definitely like my top three as far as well as case files one of my favorites it's it's good stuff um i i enjoy my favorite murder as well it's but it's really their their kind of chattiness i think sometimes yes. puts people off like i think case files a better entry point and then when you're into like you just want to hear the cases you go to my favorite murder. People don't yeah. love the small talk before the murder talk. Sometimes they don't. I think it, a particular type of person responds to that on a very deep mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Yes. They're like your friends, but if your friends are annoying to you, then maybe you wouldn't be that into it. <laughs> yeah. It's like your friends or if your friends were really obsessed with murder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I like mystery, but not as much uh, murder talk. Yeah, I, yeah like, I, I like people getting arrested and going to jail for life. <laughs> <laughs> I like the processy stuff. Like my favorite case files are the ones where they talk about like how the law enforcement bungled this and why it took so long to bring this person to justice and how they mm. originally how they eventually figured out who did it. Those are the best ones for me. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got a lot coming up on Rob as a podcast this week because, uh, of course, we've been working on a series called Hypothetically Speaking, where we have been doing profiles of every Big Brother contestant that might be on Big Brother. Of course, we won't know until Wednesday night when uh, the Big Brother house doors open and 16 or a plethora amount of uh, <laughs> former Big Brother contestants are going to walk into that door and we're going to see what's going on. Of course, uh, if you are uh, maybe thinking about jumping into Big Brother, you can uh, listen to our series and we'll give you a uh, brush up on who these people are that you may or may not be seeing coming on Wednesday night. That's been very fun. I've been working with Taryn Armstrong and then our uh, team of live feed correspondents and then each one features a new member of the uh, class of of uh, 2020, uh, which have been uh, such a great, uh, the summer of ham has really delivered in terms of uh, bringing us uh, so many new podcasting personalities. That's been uh, very, very fun. And then also be on the lookout for uh, our Tough as Nails coverage as well and everything that we're doing there as we kick off Big Brother on Wednesday night. It's a great time to get on board with our Rob Has a Podcast patron program head on over to robiswebsite.com slash patron uh it's the start of a new month we've got a lot going on in our patron community in terms of following our uh big brother season uh we've got our patron podcast feed uh we just reactivated our patron discord in addition to our patron facebook community find out all about it at robiswebsite.com slash patron thank you so much for listening uh take care everybody have a good one bye Ozzy found it a stick Then Ozzy carved it a stick Then Ozzy hid the stick The stick Jason dug up the stick There we go baby a stick And Jason took home the stick The stick He told Eliza the stick is a hidden idol, the stick He thought it was more than a stick Oh, the stick She pulled it out, the stick Was wrapped in a napkin, the stick This isn't it, it's just a stick And 
he said, and sometime they gonna vote you out. When that happens, gonna help you out. I'm gonna let you play, let you play my stick. And she said, what you trying to pull, I'm going anyways. And he replied, it's real, cause it has a phrase. So she played it that night, even though it was just a stick. Rolled his eyes at the stick And he threw it in the fire The stick But we'll always remember The stick